0: Welcome to The Downside. My name is Jamarco Cerezi. I'm here with a fresh
1: haircut, no, yeah. Russell Daniels. How are you yeah, doing? I, well, you don't know, but it was. I was really long before. Um, I'm good. This is going to take some comedy points away from I your know, show. I part know. of your um, He's
0: in Titanic off-Broadway. Oh, very nice. And part of, I would say, maybe the only funny part of your role is <laughs> when you swing your hair yeah, around.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Do you wear wig in the me, show? No. Oh, so you're going to... A really butch Rose's mom. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, people before played played the part before didn't have that long hair, so I was letting it grow for that. Um, Uh But it was it was too much. It was in my mouth. It was like it was just, and it was like hard to get the headpiece on, and you couldn't even see the earrings and stuff because of the hair. it just didn't. It was it was time. You know, I felt, I felt mentally too. I needed to change something. Yeah. I felt like I was struggling. The last week, I felt a little like Britney Spears. I just was like something. Really? I need, <laughs> I need to change something. Uh, maybe physically, to quickly, like to shed. How I. Did
0: Britney, oh, you
1: meant Britney I mean, when Spears? She, she her took, head. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's that's how I imagine. That's how I don't you know. Were. I
1: just was. It was. It was something. I know it doesn't. It does. It, it. That's not going to change it. But I felt like an impulse to like. I have to get rid of this hair Do you think right this now. will get as much press as Britney Spears did? <laughs> no, in that life? <laughs> no. I was, no, really, no. I was no. hoping
2: you meant you were financially controlled by your father. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like,
1: no. Um, but, so, I'm okay. I'm I'm doing, you know, we talked a little bit about last week. I felt like, um, just been in this weird thing. I'm about to go on vacation, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I think I've been in the show for six months, and comedically... I feel like I'm in my head a little bit, like, yeah. and I felt like maybe in the beginning we were spoiled with audiences and things, and so I feel like a lot of things are happening, but I feel like almost an adversarial relationship with the audience mm-hmm. the last two weeks, and I don't love that. Like, so I'm trying to like, I felt like I've been working so hard to like manufacture kind of what's happened before and more naturally, and I'm in my head and a bit and in a rut about it. So oh, good, I'm glad you're. you're going but I'm on coming vacation. out of it, I think.
0: Um, well, we're here, we're joined today. We're very lucky to have him. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, from the Chris Gethard show. Uh, 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 well, I just said your name already. Please welcome Chris <laughs> Gethard to the hi, everybody.
2: <laughs> it's me from that financial domination joke. <laughs> it's me, the guy who said that thing.
0: Um, and how are you
2: doing? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I, uh, I'm I'm certainly not stressing out over an adversarial relationship with the audience. I'm just thankful they still show up sometimes. I'm on that side of it. I've been through it. I, I remember it um it's new for me i'm not someone
1: who perform i usually do sketch comedy it's like once a month then it's like a big show and you blah 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 do that That that's no joke no are you doing seven eight shows a week eight shows a week yeah and so i think it's just it's been doing six months it's just like a new thing it's something i'm getting used to
2: i remember um i remember when i was going so hard doing so many shows a week and having that thing of like having to find that motivation through some anger with them at times and uh I regret it. I won't lie. I do regret it. So I hope you get past it.
0: Yeah. I just eight shows a week. It's tough. I did eight last night and it's, uh, it's gotta be tough for you, Russell. Yeah. I know. Did okay. you do 100. eight No, no, night? I wish. <laughs> okay. There's comedians
1: no. who do. Yeah. I do a lot. Do. You do a lot.
0: Oh Well, once I start doing the road, first of all, I don't think that was ever, that was ever available to me eight at night. No. i think once in a maybe twice i've done and Night, but once i did the road i'm at a point now where you need some time off during the week right? i need some time i come back sunday and if i have three shows sometimes i'm like i, I was in i was in hoover alabama on thursday rough rough show
2: hoover, no you sales. you're telling me hoover alabama was rough <laughs> <laughs> you're no, telling well, me no, hoover well, alabama was a tough time <laughs> Brutal. Really? As we sit here in the Lower yeah. East Side of New York City, <laughs> you're telling me Hoover, yeah. Alabama didn't embrace yeah. you with a parade and the key to the city?
0: Then I went to St. Louis and I told him on stage, I said, I feel like I'm in San Francisco. I mean, compared to Hoover, Alabama,
2: St. Yeah. Louis
1: felt like a liberal haven. Yeah. But, uh, I. What do you. Well, you could feel that in the audience or was, was things happening yeah, around you? Or? I want
0: to be careful the way that I say this.
2: Uh huh. I love where this is going. Mm. Just All right. go with your gut. All
0: right. It was, thankfully, in Hoover, Alabama, it was a diverse audience. And okay. diverse and very specific. There were white people and there were black people. And mm-hmm. I felt like I, the, the black audience members, I felt like had whatever sensibility that I would perform for in New York. I felt like that was where, what I, where I felt like our values aligned. Where sure. when I looked at the white people in Alabama, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what kind of white person you there's there's a scary version there. So I just felt like the sense like I could I since I I again it feels it feels tricky. Obviously I'm I'm stumbling, but uh I lived in Harlem for a long time. I performed in Harlem and I, I just felt like uh the the values I like to joke about and, and riff on, I was so happy that the audience was diverse in Hoover. Cause if it had just been white people in Alabama. I go, oh, we don't agree on anything, right,
2: mm-hmm. right, mm.
0: and and then sometimes they come up to you and they're like, they're 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 the one Democrat or one liberal in Hoover, and they're so thankful that you were there, yeah. But but I think that's what made it like when I was in Oviedo, Florida, it was like an all-white audience, and this is near Orlando, and like it was it was tough. I'm looking at the guys, and they all look like Trump. They all have orange. So this is not me to, to I, I don't mean to suggest that all black audience members are the same, but I know that in that particular part of the South, there's like a version of a white person that is not going to like some of the things I'm going to say.
2: Now, can I ask you a personal question? Please. Since we're on this topic. So your name has a lot of vowels in it. Uh Uh-huh. How far South do you have to go before you start to feel like you've traveled back in time and that's a thing people are noticing? Uh, Because in New York, no one blinks.
0: Well, it's not... It's not so much. I, I'm more. I say that I'm, I'm Jewish, and that's the part that I get. You've the had weird people pushback. say
1: "ew" when like, I was in, in Houston. Crowd, like... I
0: said I'm Jewish, and someone in the audience went "yuck."
1: Oh boy! Yeah.
0: And oh, boy. Uh, uh, that's happened at like three different shows, and like, and and I think there's that degree where because I'm in a liberal bubble, uh, I my my girlfriend called me and said uh, said I'm like a, a liberal edge lord in a, in a certain sense, and and, <laughs> and if I'm in a liberal crowd, it feels like. It's the same way that if I'm joking about race in a diverse audience, it feels like we all understand what I'm actually saying or what I'm joking about. But if I talk about I don't want to talk about race if the audience is all white, because then it feels like, hey, now that, now that we're alone, guys, yeah, let's do some yeah. jokes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so yeah, I don't know when I'll be back in Alabama.
2: Hub- Have you done Huntsville? <clears throat> Huntsville' is interesting because it's all NASA employees. Really? It's a big NASA hub. I guess it's, like, one of the biggest ones. Outside, you know, Texas, Florida, and I think it's Hunts- Huntsville, right? That's where I played.
0: I feel like every comedian must be like, I'm going to do a new Challenger explosion joke.
2: See, I didn't know. So I went and did a club in Huntsville a few years ago, and I'm, like, giving these speeches where I'm like, guys, I got to say, like, I was a little nervous coming down here, like this was in the heart of this was before Biden was elected and it was like Trump times and you're all supposed to not like me because I'm like a progressive who lives in AOC's district in Jackson Heights, Queens at the time. <laughs>
0: That's what you opened with. I'm from all, AOC's district. <laughs> well, at the end
2: of the show, I went on this big soapbox thing where I'm like, and then I come down, I meet you guys and I feel like you're supposed to hate me and I'm supposed to be nervous around you. And then and then they all came up to me and they were like, you know, we're all like 80% of this room is NASA employees who moved here for the opportunity. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? And I was like, yeah. oh, Oh, great oh you're all like ultra educated people who have been to school yeah not that the, there's not other places in alabama that aren't but i'm like up there like all right you come down here you meet people you realize we are all the same and they're like because we all moved from new jersey
0: wow. we voted for aoc <laughs> yeah
2: we, they're like do you still eat at this one restaurant in jackson heights because i used to live there too like that type of vibe
0: the recent thing i've been dealing with i have some like gun Gun jokes. And again, it's 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 not preachy. I really do everything I can to not be preachy. Yeah. But when I do that and an audience member leaves, I suddenly get this thought in my head that I have not been able to let go where I go, they're going to their car, they're going to get a gun, and they're gonna shoot me on this stage right now. And, and
2: I'm gonna be like, if it's not fatal, it's gonna be the biggest <laughs> thing that ever happened to my career. This I'm...
0: is the <laughs> downside. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The downside.
0: The downside. With John Marco Sorezi. So, uh, Chris, before we get to you, I I do want to talk about something that really bothered me on on uh, on Saturday night. I got an email. Oh. Uh, I, I I want to make sure I, I read exactly. So so I had a set. Uh, Don't tell comedy. Um, uh, uh, link in bio, uh, not link in bio. Link in the description. And um, it was you know did d- d- well. It was getting some attention. I felt good. And I recorded this, I think, in February or March, um, and uh, it came out two months later. And then I got this email. I said, oh, cool, some fan mail. Subject, great comedy. This is still the subject. Great comedy. Please have a doctor check out the lump in your throat. It could be thyroid cancer. So then I go, oh, okay, anything else? Hi, I loved your drag queens versus priest set. And then sent me the link to the set. Mm -hmm. In the video, I saw what looked like a large lump on your throat. I want to encourage you to have a doctor check it out if you haven't already. It could be a goiter or possibly thyroid cancer. Please take good care of yourself. I wish you well, and I want to enjoy your comedy for years to come. Sending you good, healthy
1: vibes. Listen, you do have a large Adam's apple. I had never noticed it really as your friend until right now, profile looking at it. It's big. Uh,
2: yeah. It, and it's always but been it's, big. It's an Adam's apple. It's always apple, been big, is right? Is that what was being referred to? Well, let's hope. Well,
0: so I go back to the video and I, I'm instead of looking in the mirror, I'm looking at the video like, like, and it, it's shadowy and it's dark and I turn and, you know, my Adam's apple. So I'm pretty sure it's nothing. In my head, I say to myself, don't be Russell. No, don't be Russell in this situation. Oof. And don't be me. I'm, I'm a little, I'm not a hypochondriac in reality, I think clinically, but I, I'm paranoid. Yeah. And I say to myself, don't, don't, don't give into this. You know what it is. You have a big Adam's apple. And I posted online. I thought it was funny. And everyone, everyone's like, well, "Are you going to get checked out? And it felt like everyone was, was being a hypochondriac, was bullying me into being a hypochondriac it was like everyone was projecting their hypochondria and everyone was like this one time a viewer saw an anchor on a thing and they said is there a lump and he had cancer it's like if your tummy hurt and you said i'm worried i might have stomach cancer instead of saying like no you don't they said well one time that did happen to a guy and and people were just writing so much that it 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 felt like they were (laughs) bullying me for my adam's apple it's like if i got an email saying hey i think you might have a tumor in your nose yeah like it's like no i it's it's just a big nose. Yeah. And and everyone was, it was just, I was overwhelmed by how many people that no one said, oh, don't worry about it. Everyone was Well, no one like, wants
1: to be, in case it happens, in case you do have a, a tumor, no one wants to be the one that would encourage you to ignore it. Do you know what I mean? It's easier to be like, maybe just get it checked out rather than say, uh, no, it's but fine. say like
0: anything. Well, I say anything. No,
2: I agree. Because this
0: email didn't end with with whatever the person's name was, MD Mount Sinai. Yeah, there's nothing. This is this is nobody. And and so so I'm well, like, well, not hey, nobody. As have... far as
2: you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I feel like if you're going to give someone a diagnosis, you might as well include your credentials at the bottom. But so I'm trying to ignore it. I was trying to like be at peace. But like I can feel it. I can feel it rising up in me. That feeling of like, what if it get is? A real
2: good look at your throat to make sure it's. It's not anything else.
0: And so then, like, like Tova had a friend whose mom was 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 an it was an ENT, and suddenly I'm like talking to them, and people were like, "You should just get it checked out just in case." As if, oh. as if I don't live in America. As if I'm gonna, oh yeah, let me go to the ENT on the corner, pop in, say, hey, no appointment, could you just take a look? Yeah. I I, I so I'm writing my doctor, and and my. Uh, but but people were commenting. My aunt was commenting, like, I know you're a comedian, but you should take this seriously.
1: And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> well, you shared it. You that guy Because kept... I thought everyone would go ha ha ha. And
2: you shared it. And the answer <laughs> is she's a pretty close relative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One yeah. of your parents' sisters. That's that's <laughs> relic- That's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. When you yell who the fuck are you like i know my Listen, karen it is a little <laughs> she like you have you're... Had not had bad intentions doing that. it sounds like you're scared but that, understandably But that's yeah. the thing.
0: everyone was like well people just care about you but i'm like but but if you really cared about me you would say hey i i but, called in a favor and ent's gonna be knocking on your okay. door okay
1: but it was one guy who said one random thing? Okay, and you're the one who shared it to thousands of people who then are concerned. They follow you, and and they're like, they're just playing like, oh, well, maybe get it checked out. You Imagine
0: know? if I said to you this, if I said,
1: hey, Russell, I think through
0: the mic, I think your heartbeat's sounding a little bit off. If I, I said that,
1: I would never take it to Instagram and share it with people and be like, John Marco <laughs> thinks I have a heart problem. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I you would freak out. Comments. I would freak out quietly and I would I would maybe go to a doctor, but I would not <laughs> share it on my Instagram. I would not go and, on and be like, hey everyone, John Markle thinks it's a hurt problem. Isn't I'm, this funny? I'm with
2: you. Or if I did, I wouldn't double down on my own fury if other people were concerned. I'm not, I know we don't, we're not like we're not, I'm But but am I justified in saying that to
0: Russell when I don't know anything no, about hearts. The initial
1: thing is weird. When you
0: say, wow, you're so caring? What if a great that friend. person's
1: not a doctor, well, if you thought something was really w- wrong, then maybe, but you don't, you would have no idea. Move him. this here. You <laughs> see,
2: <laughs> are you familiar with swatting with the internet? I, yeah, where you like call. Oh, yeah. a call a to, t- yeah. I wonder if there is someone out there who finds videos and to. Oh. Sends people emails on their websites. Hey, you have cloudy eyes. I think you're losing your eyesight. You might yeah. have glaucoma. I wonder if that could be a new swatting. Well, and then you go to a doctor, and they're like, "It's your Adam. It's your Adam's apple." And then the, you're like, "Well, some random internet weirdo told me to get it checked out." And the doctor's like. Well, I still get my copay, you know. Like, yeah. I wonder if this is the new swatting. It's a, it's a scam. Wow. It's, yeah. it's Blue now, Cross. You like dead, Blue
0: Cross Blue Shield. If you, you dropped dead, it checked though, out. I don't. Your
2: last words can't be. Gethard said it was a scam. I don't want to <laughs> hear that shit. When they're like, you waited too long, and now it's terminal. I don't want you to be like, Gethard said it was the new <laughs> swatting. He said he heard something about. It. I'm positing a theory here. <laughs> well, that's the best. problem
0: where no one. That's that. That's the world we live in. No Listen, one wants to take the risk of being like, it's fine.
1: No, it's it's definitely fine. No, but it sounds like you don't want to go to a
2: diet. You're blaming. You're saying it's. The world we live in—you just don't if, want to go to a doctor. If I went down the street and pointed
0: out everyone who I thought had a medical condition, it would be chaos.
2: <laughs> no one would be able to get to work. They'd be crying
0: in the street. And this—so this, this one woman, this one woman uh, commented, "Uh, uh oh, fuck." Where, where, but I she guess,
1: commented because you shared it. You no, 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 opened no, up the But This was a good aids. one. This was a good one. Okay.
0: We're so, uh, I feel like I, I can't, but she—she she basically was like, she's a TV personality, or whatever, and she says, "I have like a puffy throat." And she every time she's on TV, someone writes her and says, "I think you have cancer." Here it is. Here it is. Uh, uh, okay, her her name's uh, nope. Francesca Ramsey. No, it's okay. It's okay. on Twitter. It's public. Uh, so she said, she said, "I really wish strangers didn't feel comfortable sending these sorts of unsolicited messages." And of course, someone commented, "How horrible that people care about you to be concerned about your health." And and she rightfully said, "No shade." but you have 32 followers. Your experience online is very different from mine. A barrage of unsolicited messages about your body can be very hurtful, even if people have the best of intentions or are genuinely concerned about you.
2: But did you hear what happened to her? Did <laughs> 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 not just here. <laughs> From the news, she had crazy throat. She had this wow. disease called crazy, crazy throat. throat. Crazy throat. Yeah, well, your own throat tries to strangle itself, and she died on the air. ago. Wow. didn't Hear about
0: that? I think that would be a good sketch where a doctor finds a new disease, and they're like, "I call it crazy throat." Well, there are
1: like, let's there let's are really it. bad names for diseases. When Celine Dion just got diagnosed with stiff persons disorder, I was Ooh. like, "That's terrible. That's a Ben-Mare lazy Celine. name. <laughs> that's such a lazy name. Like for a I don't know. Isn't that the colloquial one though?" I
0: feel like that's like the
1: I don't know, but still, it was like that's what was in the news. Like that's what they were sharing. It they could have shared the real name then. I don't know. Well, lets you know what it is right away. Stiff person, like it just like you know, it just sounds like could have been a little more creative. I guess not. It tells you what it is.
0: Well, that's what Seinfeld's like. His old bit was rhinoplasty. Like okay, because it's your nose. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, this could be the last episode. So let me just say real quick, if oh, you're I a fan think of the show, it'll be
2: slow if
1: you die from that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: think it'll be fast. You think I'll be like, who is that radio guy that died yeah. uh, from throat cancer? The, the the really conservative one, Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. Oh, okay. did he die? After yeah, and he all. he was you know he was doing radio to the very end. Mm. So don't worry, guys. I am the liberal Rush Limbaugh. Everybody, um, if you're a fan of the show, join the Patreon. Patreon.com/slash/downside. For bonus episodes, uh our recent live episode with Steph Tolev mm-hmm. and uh uh my clean comedy special, The Rats Are in Me, only available on the Patreon, patreon.com slash downside. Well, Chris, thank you for being here. Oh joy, I'm
2: having a lot of fun.
0: I uh you are know, very familiar with, with your work. I, I always I always remember when I saw Career Suicide, I feel like I expressed to some friends, I was like, it's his therapist's actions. Are criminal I was upset this has been said yeah I where it was one of those things where I felt like I felt like it was funny but I was like but this is
2: this is really bad I had I have friends who are mental health professionals who reached out to me and said this is actually very concerning Mm -hmm. mm-hmm so you're not alone and those people are professionals, unlike you. Who, again, I will say, you're, you apparently reacted and did the thing. You just condemned someone else for doing to you. Let's point that out. As someone with no, you no. expressed concern for me based on something I put out there publicly, <laughs> medically. You just condemned... You spent the whole intro to your show saying people shouldn't uh, do it, and then just told wow. me it's what you did. Um, yeah, she. You'll be happy to hear I'm still with her six years after that special came out. And even earlier today, I was telling her about some career stuff I have going on that's tenuous. And she told me um, she would really like to read my numerology chart. And I had to tell her again. I mean, I've been with her for 16 years now. And I had to say, it is not my thing. I know you like numerology. Not my thing. And four times she pitched me on it. And I just was going, it's not, I don't, it's not, I'm not going to buy, I don't want to spend time doing it. Because I don't believe it. And she's like, well, I'm, it's it's eerie. It's eerie, the result. I said, it's not my thing. So still happening. Still happening. Same lady. And in your mind,
0: what is, what is the good? What is the good part?
2: The good part is she's a tough-talking broad from Linden, New Jersey. And the first time I ever met with her, she was cursing a bunch. Mm. And I immediately was like, I – she's like a – A Jewish lady from Linden. I grew up in West Orange and I immediately felt like, you know, I was in a crisis point. Nobody goes in, you know, now people do actually. Back when I was in my twenties, things have changed a lot in the past two decades. Like you started seeing a shrink when you hit a crisis point. That Mm. was generally when it happened. Yeah. And, uh, I immediately had a sense of, I know people like this. I grew up around people like this and her vibe instantly felt Um, familiar because of that. And that has gone a long way, even though she does oftentimes do things that are ridiculous. And I had had some doctors prior to her who really played it by the book. And I felt like that often put me in a place of, you know, where I'm going, I need help right now. And they're going, but there's a lot of hoops and red tape and forms to sign and things to jump through and this and that. And Mm -hmm. um, in career suicide, I talk about, there was one point where I got hired for a job in California for a few months. And, the doctors wouldn't prescribe and I was just like, I know that's the rule, but it's unsafe. You have a twenty three at the time, twenty-three year old kid living three thousand miles away from his support system and you're cutting off his medication. Just write me a prescription. Like yeah. yeah. She pays no attention to the rules and many people are concerned with that, but it turns out for me it's a much safer feeling. So that's
0: interesting. when you say that that she was also from New Jersey, I think about I feel like I've I've seen online with with you know, like uh, a black person feeling like they want a black therapist or 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 similarities, commonalities. And I, I never thought of it in terms of like being from New Jersey is a commonality that lets you uh, be open in a way or communicate in a way. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I also felt like there was probably a lot of stuff that she would understand the shorthand for too Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Uh, just me she's okay
0: with you saying the f word very loosely. all the f words all the (laughs) any
2: word that starts with that no of course not of course not but you know things that things that we had in common enough that she could go oh right because you grew up where you did and i know what that's like i know that area is like x y and me going cool i don't have to explain all the different swirling bullshit nonsense that went on in my past. Um, So, yeah, it worked out well. But thank you for your concern. I guess my only question is if you were so concerned, why didn't you you reach out or anything like that? You're like, I'll wait till he comes on my podcast. Apparently, all these years later, I'm hearing you were concerned, but not concerned (laughs) enough to actually intervene and try to do anything, which...
0: I saw a great commercial for therapy. I don't know if it was for BetterHelp, which I have problems with all that online stuff, but the commercial was effective, and it was like it was a guy at the gym... And he just had the bench press, but it was, like, on his chest. Yeah. And someone came over and was like, do you want me to help you? And he was like, no, I got it. I don't want – like, it was just, like, a metaphor about the way – it was, like – I mean, maybe it's condescending to men, but but they, they could use it, where it was just, like, you need help. Yeah. And it was a really nice, effective way to see it. It's this mix where I think everyone should go in therapy, and now I feel like as therapy gets more uh, uh, commodified, it will become worse and exploited and ultimately, yeah. a means of making people okay with circumstances that maybe they shouldn't be economically, politically.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, you know, the idea that the stigmas around it have lifted so recently and we're immediately boiling it down to services that you never even actually meet a doctor mm-hmm. or you can't even get them on the phone, that it's all based on, you know, uh, online interaction. I go, that's a very big swing from we don't even allow this to be okay or this is a stigmatized thing. Or, you know, when I grew up, I remember there was a kid who was in therapy in my school and he was mocked for it. Yeah, We all found out and he was mocked for going to see a therapist. For We all called him crazy and mocked him. Um, and now it's gone all the way in the other direction, but people are going to feel like it doesn't work and they're wasting their money and they've been tricked if it's not a good service. And there's also a thing I would like to point out too, which is there are also now, um number of organizations trying to get into the space of therapy and schools and they're for-profit companies. Uh-huh. And I'm very, very wary of that. Of of people who are going, you know, there is some angel investor in Silicon Valley who's realizing this is a growth industry. Yeah. And it's showing up with young people. I think that's very dangerous as well. Like it's still it has to be medical and it has to be in the spirit of the Hippocratic oath. And I don't know exactly how we got here but i'm glad to call it out and say like i don't think that especially amongst children this should be a for-profit enterprise that feels yeah. really yeah. dark to yeah you, really dark
0: it's just it's hard because it's it's a soft science or it's like therapy is more artistic in nature so it's hard to regulate it i mean like you could have colleges give degrees but th- that doesn't guarantee anything and it's just it's just one of those tough I was always skeptical about therapy because my dad saw the same therapist for so... He still sees this person. And I'm always like, what are you talking about in there? What are you talking about? Because I... (laughs) And I I, I have this idea in my head that one day I would, like, follow him. And I, I would, after he left, I'd, like, you know, tape the door so I could go in. And it would be like that movie where his mom's a skeleton in the dress. That it's like a skeleton of Freud in a suit. And he's been going every day, three times a week. Yeah, but just do you think see. he
1: talks when he goes in, or he just sits there? He the the skeleton, or my dad? <laughs> no, your
0: dad. No, your my dad. dad. No, no, for sure. you he he talk? Talks. Yeah. I feel like in my mind, I bet this is the therapist. Just goes. Mm.
2: I hope someday you do tape the door and sneak <laughs> in, and the therapist <laughs> looks at you and goes. This is the most inappropriate thing I've ever seen a family member of a patient do.
0: <laughs> and he goes, I told your dad to do numerology. He
2: just would never give in. <laughs> like, your father has been convinced you were stalking him for Wait,
1: years. I don't know what numerology is. What like, is it? Like,
2: what day were you born? Oh, and here's oh, your oh similar, uh,
1: like adjacent to astrology kind yeah, of? Like in related in that. Not something, you,
2: not something you want the medical professional task with your <laughs> mental health to be a fervent <laughs> uh yeah. not just supporter but almost evangelist stuff yeah i've had to borderline beg her to cut that out i think what's i think the difference it's funny
1: to know you for 16 years and still be like i'm gonna get him, i'm
2: gonna get him one of these days i think numerology. i might be her no i'm not her only client but she at a certain point she told me she was semi-retired and she was not taking on new clients mm-hmm. that was years ago and i haven't really asked much more about it so this means as other people quit or die I'm one of I. Yeah. I could, for all I know, I could be her only remaining client. I have no idea. Yeah, but she does prescribe. It'd uh, be fun if
0: she incorporated that into the numerology. She's like, "You're born on this, and I only have three patients left, and
2: this son. I got to be the last one, right? Uh, yeah, I have a goal in life to be her to be her patient. last yeah. patient. I also have realized if she were to die, I have no idea how I'd find out.
1: That's uh, a weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah. This person depends on zoom. Person.
2: Uh, phone calls now phone calls really well i was ahead of the curve on that she before telehealth was even a thing she moved to mexico years ago and we started doing skype sessions uh huh. um and a friend my friend who is a mental health professional said i am fairly certain that that is illegal that you cannot be doing it now obviously it happens all the time and yeah. everything's changed but i think for a long time it wasn't exactly uh okay the way we were doing it um now, I do phone because I leave the house and I walk while I do it. So I feel like I'm getting both some physical exercise That's as nice. well as a mental health thing. And I'm not like shackled to my desk with my screaming toddler son right underneath me.
0: Are you walking um, where there's no people? Or like, because I've once in a while, I don't, I do uh, Zoom, but once in a while if the connection's bad or I'm somewhere, I walk and occasionally I'm walking amidst people being like, and then my father, just wait one second. Oh, I do. I've, and then he...
2: And keep in mind, you're in New York City where none of these people will care. I live in a neighborhood that's just one street that's a big circle. Uh-huh. So anytime I pass someone, it's like a neighbor <laughs> I know. It's like someone where I've probably like watched their kid or they've watched mine uh-huh. or we've been to a barbecue in each other's yards and I'm like ranting about some nonsense and then I just stop and look at them and nod and then we all keep going. And I can tell they know... If they haven't guessed it's therapy, they know that I'm at least ranting about something that they can't hear. And mm-hmm. it's a weird feeling. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Now, you have a son.
2: I do. How old now? He turns four in two weeks.
0: I'm curious. This is why
2: no one sees me around the New York comedy scene anymore. Yeah. Because I had a child and disappeared to New Jersey.
0: Bring him, bring him to the shows. I would love if, if you came to it a must show. Must have been
2: right around COVID too. I mean, uh, right? yeah, he was yeah. born uh April twenty nineteen. So he was his wow, first okay. birthday was while we we had fled our apartment in Queens. Um we had bought our house in January of twenty twenty mm. and then our our uh building would not let us move into it. Our queen our building in Queens was like, We're not letting movers in. We can't have weirdos in the building. And I was like, I both understand completely mm-hmm but it's not like I'm fleeing. Like I bought this house months ago yeah, Yeah. and I have a safer place to go raise my kid. Please don't make me stay two blocks from Elmhurst hospital, the hospital that the New York times did the expose on like the bodies and the trucks outside. That was one of the first things that people were like, Oh, I guess we should get masks. Like it's not, Uh was that expose. If you made a right out my front door and walked two avenues, you were at the front door of that hospital. So we were like, please let us just get our kid out of here. So we, we it was a whole thing. But yeah, my kid's a pandemic baby. And uh, yeah, it's, he's great. He's the best, but it's been wild. It's been a wild few years.
0: How st- we, we had a friend who had a kid and the fears of COVID. I mean, the truth is like when it came to COVID, at least after the first couple of months, I think in my head, maybe not true, but I was like, I'm a healthy, younger, I'll be okay. Yeah. But people with kids... We could have killed them. The yeah. par- and just the paranoia, just just yeah. just like I know my body. I've always been healthy-ish, so I have some kind of you know inappropriate believing I'm going to be okay. But with a kid, how stressful was, was that? Awful.
2: Well, it, it went both directions. In the one sense, my life sort of didn't start back up at the same rate as all of my peers because I wasn't going to go do a bunch of shows before my kid could get vaccinated, and mm-hmm. the vaccines yeah. for kids. We're many, many, many months after ours. And then, as you know, everybody's like, cool, shows are back. And everyone starts doing shows. And then back channel, everybody starts to hear through the grapevine, like, don't do any shows at this club. Everyone who performed there on Tuesday got COVID the same night. And you start to hear stuff. I'm like, I can't risk it with the kid. Um, At the same time... There was also something really beautiful about the world is shut down and I'm hanging out every day with a human being who doesn't know a thing about it. Mm -hmm. I'm just hanging out with this kid who wants to play with toys and laugh. Excuse me. And he's learning words and I'm there. I'm not on the road. I was there for his first steps. I was there for a lot of things that I would have missed if the world had been functioning. So he was the ultimate distraction in some way. Like I was, my life was going to be put into a weird little bubble of dealing with, the birth of my son no matter what and then yeah it coincided with the world shutting down so at some level maybe that's a good thing but on another level yeah i lived in constant fear that my lifestyle would kill him but if i didn't get back to my lifestyle how was i going to pay the mortgage like really really fine line to walk there it's wild but he's a good boy it's worth it
0: it's gonna be i when i think about getting older and talking to younger generations like will they be like? Please don't tell us about COVID. I wonder if all yeah, of us, yeah. will will have like teenagers oh at the God. house and we will be like, you know, there was a time and they'll be like, because yeah. because something about it, it was so, it wasn't dynamic, it wasn't it wasn't particularly thrilling. <laughs> There's not a lot of stories. I'm like, well, I I finally read Stephen King's It, yeah, and that's what I did for two months, and I learned how to cook one lasagna and that yeah. was it, right? But it was such a significant. It was just such a significant. Like, even your kid, it's it's like, he's just not going to remember any well, of it.
2: All the parents of our age, though, are like, they're not going to remember any of it. But is it going to completely have fucked them up that their first experiences with teachers, the teachers all had masks on? Like, yeah. no one knows psychologically yeah. what's that going to do. Like, my son hates school. He yeah. hates going. When he gets so he- there, the teachers are like, he's actually a great kid, and he's helpful, and he always wants to engage, and he's great. So he tells you he hates it, but he's having a good time. But I'm like, I wonder if he says he hates it because his first experiences with daycare was people in crazy N95s yeah. and plastic sheet masks. Like, mm-hmm. if he doesn't just have some lingering subconscious memory that his teachers are fucking Darth Vader. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's Is that going to mess him up? How is How many more years is that going to mess him up? I, I,
1: who knows? Yeah, my so. nephew's five and similar. That sort of, yeah. like, feeling of, like, does really well, knows things, but like, hate does not want to go to that to school. And mm. uh, you were wondering, like, and, and also hasn't had a lot of the same experiences in kids that seeing kids because there was that two year period where it wasn't really around anyone else, you know, you're just kind of with your yeah. the family adults. So I think
0: still it's better younger. I had two siblings in college for COVID, and I feel
1: really bad for them. I feel like... Oh,
0: they missed everything. I mean, I, mean, I think, and I think about... think
1: they money to those fucking places oh, for oh, nothing. You know, they, like... They, they,
0: they got no discounts. Barely any discounts of anything. No, that sucks. And
2: then, dude, you missed the parties. You, you missed, missed the everything. hookups. You yeah. missed all the... You only get college... Like, I look back at college and I'm like, man, I was really stressed out and depressed during college. And, man, do I regret it. Because that was... The, there was no responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were slight responsibilities by some standards. And I thought there were so many... But man, yeah. if I could go back, man, if I could go back. I have that fantasy
0: too. But then I'm like, no, but this is who I was just not the party guy. I always think Me neither. I wasn't, a, I didn't do, I'm, I like pot and I realized I like pot, but I wasn't really doing pot in, in college. I was smoking pot. And, and I, I always, I always think about a college life that I could have had and I'm like, no, but I think
2: you're lying to yourself. I hated it the whole time I was there. And my yeah. golden age of my life was my thirties by far. Thank god. My thirties ruled so hard. The most fun stretch of my life, hands down, by far, no question, my thirties. Significantly better than my twenties. Yeah. But if I Me look too, if fun. I look yeah. back at my college years, I'm like, oh, I sat there and I stressed. But imagine just having two or three of those years taken away. Yeah. You gotta go live back at home again and do all your classes on Zoom.
0: Well, especially it's just that's the runway. And I have plenty, plenty of problems with the whole COD system, but that is your runway of, like,
1: figuring out, okay, now I'm going to go on my own. Getting to test out being who you are without parents around and and without that sort of, like, figuring out, like, okay, I'm detached from this thing. What can I, you and know? And I would have
0: just bummed around. I, I, I can't blame. I would just watch The Office and, like, diddled my thumbs and jerked off and watched TV shows. Like, I wouldn't, I didn't have the ambition to be, like, Oh well, let's let's did re- you write say a book.
2: Diddle my thumbs.
0: Diddle diddle my thumbs. <laughs> did That's say what I diddle. call masturbating.
1: Diddle thumbs.
2: Uh, he meant masturbating, but then you
1: said means, two different phrases. Of masturbating. Masturbating. You said diddle, diddle my thumbs, I was like, that
0: you know, must be it's a different for technique off. I've been working on. <laughs> just my thumbs. But then you said masturbating. I last a lot longer if it's just the thumbs. I can really make diddle a day out of it. Diddle my thumbs. Diddle my thumbs.
2: I was like, I haven't heard that one. But then you followed up with masturbation. Post that, I said, wait, but then what was the first one? Um. How
0: have you, did you read a lot of books? I'm always curious, did you read any books on parenting? Did you look at any philosophy of
2: parenting? What was your preparation? Um, I did not read so many books. There were a few that um, my wife read and highly encouraged me to read. In very cliche fashion, I was reading less books, which is a major plot point in Knocked Up, and I fell into it. Like mm-hmm. Seth Rogen, Katherine Heigl, Knocked Up. Um, I will say we took a many-week-long birthing class. That was insane. And we took a one-day birthing crash course at the hospital where my son was born, and that was even more insane. What well, was insane? At what the, the hospital,
1: they... are you watching people? No, no, no. Know? The hospital is hands-on at that point? The know. hospital
2: is just you sit in a room with a few other nervous couples, Okay. And then this nurse threw open the door and was like, "Like, no, hi, how are you, everybody? No, is everybody ready? Like, throws open the door and walks in. This was out in um, hospital on the border of Queens and Long Island. And she just walks in and she goes, okay, there's a lot of things that are going to happen in that room they are going to make you want to freak out. Here's everything you need to know so you don't freak out. And then she just talked for an hour no stopping for questions no clarification just like this will happen this your baby might be born covered in wax your baby might be born blue don't freak out this and that don't freak out i'll never forget she just kept using the phrase don't freak (laughs) out she's like you might think your baby's dead if it doesn't cry right away no don't freak out they might need to clear the mucus out so stop freaking out it'll stress everybody out around you don't freak out she was just this like chain smoking nurse who had clearly been delivering babies for decades she was like everybody stop freaking out and then the birthing class we took was so wild
0: wait let me do that so so yeah. when she finished his spiel did anyone did any neurotic parent or go like oh what about should i freak out we, in this
2: case we tried but the time was really up but all you saw a few people had brought pens and pads but most of us were just like Oh, oh, you just saw everybody going like, oh, and taking out their phones and just like desperately trying to take notes on what she was saying. Because it was nuts. The presentation was nuts, but it was the most real deal shit anybody said to me leading up to the birth. She was just like, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, this happens all the time, that happens. This happens. What was the one she said? She was like, there was something that was racist. It was like, sometimes babies...
0: <laughs> if the baby's a different race than the father, don't freak out.
2: No, it was like... The, it was one of them was like, Sometimes these babies have these crazy birthmarks on their bodies. They're really big. They call them stork bites. With black babies, they call them Mongolian bites. Don't freak oh, out. And it was just like, What? What? <laughs> what? There's like different names for it's the races. Just, it's and just you calling it Mongolian them. No bites. No one else is <laughs> calling it. You're the one. Yeah. It was crazy. Don't freak out. Just everything was like, Every piece of information was just basically you going like, Google uh, go- like Mongolian bites. Google that. Google oh, uh, stork my, bites. I Google like my the wife
0: telling her husband, Don't write down that part. I know. That, yeah. If
2: there's a screen grab, I get canceled. <laughs> And then our class, I think, was nine weeks. And I look back, and it was so funny because it was this very hippy-dippy experience. It was almost the opposite. And uh, a lot of that we were doing, like, walking meditation. And they were like, okay, you're going to bring a yoga ball to the birthing room. And as you're having your contractions, you're going to sit in these different positions on the yoga ball. We got to that hospital. We didn't even inflate the yoga ball. It stayed in the (laughs) box. (laughs) My wife's attached to all these wires. They're monitoring all this. You're holding a box. She's like, well, we took a class that said I should be on my side or inflate the yoga ball. They're like, no, you might. There's a complication. You will not. You will have these monitors taped to you, and you will stay still. And it was wild. I mean, so there was a guy who came to that um, birthing class every week for nine weeks, and I never learned his name, him and his wife. and he wore a vest every week. He wore a, a like a puffy vest. <laughs> and he was Swiss. And at, towards the end of the class, like week eight or nine, I finally... We had a snack time. We were adults and they had a snack time as part of this class every week. What were the snacks? You every Each week, a different couple had to bring the snacks. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. And I went up to him finally and I, I never learned his name. But I was like, hey, like, uh, we're shooting the... You know, it's like classic guys thing, like barely connecting. The wives are all having these like mystical conversations about birth and how they're like growing life inside. Them. I'm like, so what are you doing? And he's like, I've worked in chocolate. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't with you. You've been wearing a vest every week. You have a thick Swiss accent. Like I, the only thing that could have been more Swiss is if you were like a clockmaker, you know, uh-huh. yeah. just you work in chocolate. And I never learned that man's name. I used to call him Swiss vest man. And my wife would be like, stop. And then.
0: Dude, was he there with his partner? With his partner. Oh, he was there. Okay. I like him being there just alone. Just like, I'm just curious.
2: It was this wild thing where I was making fun of all the partners because I thought all these guys (laughs) were acting so fucking weird. And my wife was like, you're saying weird shit, too, and I'm sure they're making <laughs> fun of you, so candid, asshole. But I'll never forget, too, there was this one guy, they had us go around and introduce ourselves, right, week one. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, so uh, we're blah, 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 and blah, 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 we live in Fort Greene, and um, we're due this day, and uh, I do this, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, a lot of Brooklyn, he goes, I'm a yoga instructor, this and that. And they get to this one cu- couple, and the woman says, oh, I'm blah, 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 here's what I do for work, da, 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 icebreaker. And he inexplicably stands up out of his chair. No one else has. He stands up and he goes, hi, everybody. My name's and I guess you could say I'm something of an iconoclast. Oh. And <laughs> his wife, who is, like, so little. And when you're around, like, a very small framed woman who's pregnant, they, like, look like a beach ball. Yeah. No, she, yeah. His wife just looked at him and had this face like, you fucking <laughs> asshole. Stop saying You're an iconoclast. And I had to look up iconoclast. Wait, let me guess. What the fuck was that?
0: I I think someone of significance, he's an icon. He's a a man of import.
2: No, even better. Someone who questions authority. Oh. Someone who questions the rules and authority. Was he doing it with a wink
1: or no? No. He was was really like. Everyone
2: was fucking freaking out. It was all these guys who were like, our lives are about to change. We're all in over our heads. Yeah. I'm sure I said stuff that I meant as a joke where my wife was like, he's a comedian. Everybody, like, he's a comedian. Like, she must have been quietly assuring people, like, he's not a fucking serial killer saying this shit. This guy just. I'm something of an iconoclast. And I just could never look him in the eye again. I was like, Did you say comedian
1: when you when you
2: They started to realize we we, there was another friend of ours. Or did you go like,
1: you guys know who I am?
2: No, there was none of that. Believe (laughs) me. None of that. None of that.
1: After the yoga Uh, teachers, I feel like I feel like like when you're you're getting into a class kind of thing, you're like you want to be honest, but it's also like if you say you're comedian, it's just like kind of sometimes it's like. It's gonna be a whole handful.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I did. I I I introduced myself. I was like, "Hi, everybody. You may recognize me as Alana's boss from Broad City and uh, Trevor from Season Nine of The Office. Everybody, so uh, (laughs) hold questions to me. No, I avoid that conversation at all costs. Um, But yeah, it was. I I remember one time too. the The darkest it got for me in that class, the teachers going. She was this really nice woman named Christy. Once we sliced through the hippy dippy stuff, there was stuff to get out. Of. I was never—I've never been that guy, you know. Like, yeah. I grew up in North Jersey listening to punk rock. Like, you're never going to convince me that walking meditation is my thing. Like, uh-huh. No way. Um, excuse me, but at one point she goes, "So here's what happens the first um, six months. She's like, the baby sleeps for about an hour and a half, wakes up, needs to be fed, it'll scream and cry, you'll feed it, it'll need to be changed." Um, you'll it'll stay awake maybe 20, 25 minutes. You'd be able to like swing it around, hold it, try to connect with it. It'll need to be fed again, and then that process repeats twelve times, and that's your twenty four hours of a day. And I was like, what? Everybody all the guys, all the women were like, yeah, we're we are aware of that. All the guys were like, what do you? That's your day is just a twelve hour. It's just twelve sets of two hours of screaming and changing and feeding, like. And I raised my hand. I was like, I am not trying to be funny. I am not trying to be disrespectful. I was like, what are you talking about? What do you t- Like, when do you work? When do you get anything done? And she was like, well, the thing about that question is that since she goes, uh, since the Industrial Revolution, and immediately I was like, fuck. oh, no.
1: <laughs> what
2: the fuck? <laughs> She's like, so the Industrial Revolution changed humankind. And made us all think that we're supposed to be couples living in isolation from other couples, and we do this ourselves, and that's a fallacy. Like, Mm -hmm. what... Evolution should have is we should be a band of 50 to 70 hunter gatherers, and there will be some people keeping a fire going, and other people catching fish, and other people foraging. Oh the my god, yeah, other people patching up the houses. And, <laughs> and other- the
0: iconoclast is like, I'm not that revolutionary, yeah, he's like, I question <laughs> all of these tropes.
2: <laughs> but she's like, and then there should be all the babies from this band, wow. and-, and there will be a group of people that raise all the babies, and then everyone's. Help me. That's what humankind is supposed to be. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. was like, but since, as soon as the answer is, well, since the, the industrial, industrial revolution, revolution, I was like, God, I'm fucked. <laughs> I
0: am fucked. That's how- Wow. That's what I've always thought though, especially, you know, my family, I'm close with some people, but we're separated and I'm like- and me having a kid is very different from people who live near their their parents. I oh, mean, like, yes. how do you fucking function without that kind of community? Oh,
2: yeah, welcome I to mean, my goddamn life. My- Believe
0: you me, if I had a kid, Russell, you're you're coming over. You're keeping the fire going where you're while this you looks
1: out like news, you're- You made a face like news to me. Well, news to me. You, you get me once a week for this fucking <laughs> podcast. You think I've come to the Lower East Side multiple days outside of this podcast? No. Like, but guest you're right. Is my I mean, baby. I'll see it you later. Is the, that is the, yeah. um, I'm going that to is the thing. I just enter this room and there's a baby, <laughs> the baby on this just couch. And there. No one
2: here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no <Yeah>. guests <laughs> this week. <laughs> We've had stranger guests. It'll be an hour and fifteen minutes and then I'm done. Um, <laughs> uh, the um, yeah, my brother. Like five days a week. He, my parents have his kids and it's like that's they live upstate. You know, I would never be and able that's so to beautiful. do that. I mean, that's you beautiful. Know? But that's yeah.
0: another consequence of like. The divorce world where I come from, where it's just like those, they're, they're, there is no two-parent unit. My mom's going to bring over whatever 90-year-old she's dating at the time to take <laughs> care. She's going to change both her diapers. <laughs> it's not going to work out. Yeah. Um, wow. That is... Now, when you decided to have a kid, Yeah. because you're an ambitious person. I was, yeah. And I you really I'm, feel that past I've tense? I've been thinking
2: lately. Well, I have in my joke notebook. This is not a this is not this i could show you it's a note on my phone just the, in quotes the phrase i'm post ambitioned mm. i'm post ambit it's a bit i've been thinking about lately i don't know what the joke will be but like i remember being a very ambitious guy and someone who was like an organizer of people sort of legendarily for a while in the new york comedy yeah of course yeah of like anthony devito who's a friend of mine he said to me once he was like last year we were in edinburgh together disaster oh i heard i heard
0: it was it was a rough time for me personally no no not for you my friend um well uh uh lucas uh arnold was there was sam morrison there i think sam Sam was there. Sam did good
2: though sam did pretty good but i just just heard heard. oh oh, i heard titus went back home sam's room oh titus went home that's true sam's room adjoined mine and we were up at the same time so every night I'd be performing for literally the smallest crowds I've performed for in a 23-year career while hearing the joyous, raucous cheers of Sam Morrison's Sugar Baby, right next door, Sugar Daddy. <laughs> and I like Sam. I'm I'm giving him- It's not of course, Sam's
0: fault. No. Sam's not gonna take it personally. Sam's, How dare you I'm see crushing my it And I'm
2: here like I feel so old and past my prime as I hear this new oh. young buck of the New York scene. Like people Cheering next door, and I, I've told Sam this, and we have laughed about it. He's like, "Well, they may have been loud. They were. It wasn't always a full room." I'm like, "It had to be more full than mine." But I do
0: that as a seller every time. The bar and the lounge are very close, and whenever the bar is like crushing, and it's just a quiet show in the lounge, I'm like, I "You guys picked the wrong show." And go. it's always, it's they always an it. easy save, easy
2: save. <laughs> but DeVito said to me, he was like, "It's always kind of been like the alt scene, the club scene, the uptown scene, the North and South Brooklyn scenes, part of the alt scene." And then whatever the fuck Gethard was up to was always a piece of the New York comedy scene. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's done. I feel like that's that was true for years. And I no longer have the energy or the wherewithal, or I don't know. I don't know. If it's self-doubt, but I I feel a little I don't know. I feel a little past my prime in some ways. As like someone What came first?
0: Did the kid change you or was it later you feel like you
1: were
2: Well, the timeline of my life was that I had, you know. A lot of my life was defined by my old TV show, which kind of broke off from the UCB theater. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, this was not intentional, but it was sort of, I think, as the UCB corporatized, we sort of broke off, and I think a lot of the people of that ilk started to realize, oh, the reputation of this place as this, like, weird haven I for was freaks gonna ask is not that. as true. But it kind of, this satellite thing that broke off from it is. Like... The public access studio is kind of where that type of person. F- it's really I, we, I was really heartbreaking. We gonna, joined UCB yeah.
0: truly at, at like the, as if the I hear this a lot. It's I getting on the Titanic lot. now.
2: Yeah, is where we was was like
0: joined UCB. We, we
1: I got on a house team, uh, and then our sketch group got a run in the last year. Right around
0: the move and to but, the. But
1: I remember my first ever meeting after I got on a mod team. And were uh, they and, like, "We're going to
2: throw out all your
1: props"? Truly, we had a. We had, no, <laughs> we had a. We had a a sit down company meeting in December before I started in January and it was like Amy Poehler was there everyone, you know, but it was already like this tension of like, and I remember being like, this seems bad. And like, (laughs) and growing up as a little kid looking at like watching stuff and being a bit of a comedy nerd and being like, you know, when you started, when you were there around there and feeling like that, Like, just that you could
2: feel, like, when you'd see things and be like, that kind of punk rock energy. That fucking chaos. I started there when I was 19. I'm about to turn 43. And it was nuts. It was as nuts as people thought. It breaks my heart to hear, because I had left as a teacher. Um... And I, I had, I realized looking back on it, I, I, I knew, I sort of knew this was true, but like I, as a teacher, was still trying to carry the torch of like, no, we're gonna make this kind of, try, we're gonna try to make this a thing that's a serves you. You're not here to serve this theater. This is theater is here to serve you, which I always thought was important. And B, even if you don't get on a team, I want you to feel like you got some out of this. And to me, it, it that means like, how do you kind of empower yourself as an artist to just go and like have enough fucking gumption to go out and do some shit you want. And that worked with people, I think. Um, and it breaks my heart to hear... There's so many people I've met who are like, yeah, I showed up there and well, I started and I, too I, late and felt that it was just a lot of rules. I, and a, lot of rules. Yeah.
1: I a lot of rules. I liked a lot of people there. It just was this thing of like... And I was proud that our sketch group, who didn't go through, all of us go through the thing, were able to get a run there. And we were like, we we're, were doing it. We had two great... Three. <laughs> Three great sold out shows with like At the news with space. great guests and stuff. And then it, you know, COVID and whatnot. But I think it was more that like I was surprised about like the rules of everything. Yeah. And being like, and not that rules are always bad. It just was this thing where it felt corporate. It felt me like my,
2: me and my gang were like, let's go to the public access studio yeah. and have even less rules yeah. than we came up with. And I
1: that think it was, was a very fun yeah.
2: thing for me. But then the as far as me being, like, not feeling as ambitious or as relevant, TV show was canceled 2018. My wife immediately got pregnant. Yeah. We had the kid April 2019. Tried to launch a couple things and realized, like, oh, the audience from the old public access show, they're not coming with me. Okay.
0: Was that, that, was that a...
2: That was very sobering. Very sobering.
0: What do you think it was
2: like I think for a bunch of people who followed that show it was like something they were really devoted to and the audience always you know everybody always laughed of like oh it's like a cult but I felt a lot of responsibility with that
1: I felt this thing of
2: like there's like there is like a cult like yeah I don't want to be a cult leader I want to be a comedian I want to be a weirdo comedian I want to experiment I want to kind of fuck with the parameters of television and we got to cable and got to do that a little bit we had to fight to do it but Um, it's it's funny. My wife said to me, I started to realize like some of the people who had been like so devoted to it, when it got canceled, they were like happy and joking about it and it killed me because I was like, oh, these were some of the people I always had in my mind as the people I was making the show for. Yeah. And my wife summed it up. She was like, who was your, because you got to realize like I've met people who are working comedians now on a high level who come up to me and they're like, I used to watch your public access show when I was in high school or middle school. Mm -hmm. Because it was in 2011. That's 12 years ago at this point. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to name drop. I don't know her so well, but it was very sweet. The first time I met Sarah Squirm yeah she yeah. was like i applied to intern for you guys she's like i used to email you and say when i was home from college in the summers can i come work on the show i went and found the emails i was like how fucking cool is that yeah. she was yeah. a college yeah. kid trying and like it makes me feel good you know when i met meg stalter she was like yeah me and my friends used to talk about your show and like, some of these people were in middle school and my wife goes who was your favorite band when you were in high school I was like, well, my early years of high school, I was really into Less Than Jake, who was a 90s ska punk band. Mm-hmm. I was you know, born in 1980, graduated high school in 98. And she's like, and what were you saying about Less Than Jake when you were in college and after college? I was like, probably making fun of them, saying ska was really cheesy. She's like, how do you feel about Less Than Jake now? I was like, I don't really throw their albums on, but if it comes on shuffle, I get pretty happy. I'll sing along, I still know the words. And she's like a lot of the kids who grew up with you are in the middle phase right now. Where, like... Because also, it was a call-in show. And also, we would invite fans of the show to come hang out in the studio, and they'd come and be on camera. Yeah. My wife was like, if when you were 15, would you want, like, some video or audio of you being an idiot recorded for posterity on YouTube? I'm like, yeah. I'd probably have to put some distance at some point, so... Either way, I don't know. I don't know. Plus, I don't know. I'm it's, also just getting older, and I, sure. I, but
0: but I but that that because when I was getting ready for this, I went back. I listened to you on on on. Uh, you made it weird, and it was like you were talking to Pete about it. Was that moment where he got his TBS oh, show, yeah? And you you yeah. had had you know some Conan hopes had that had Conan was gonna. Some, they had had a few back channel
2: conversations with me about like keep it going and maybe we can talk. Oh, and, then Pete got, and Pete's a friend of mine. First, yeah. the first or second guy who ever put me up as a stand up as I was moving on really? to UCB was Pete. So I can't. I'm not trying to be jealous or resentment over my friend, but I was like, oh. But part of what
0: you talked about in the interview was that concept of like, uh, I don't know if you mentioned the Ramones, where like not having a hit album, but they're it's like, yeah, yeah. I think it's in in the world we live in, maybe just America. It's just like the idea of success is you know, what, a a nationally syndicated show or for forever or something. And who wants that? And that's why UCB was special because it it could at least create this middle— I think about improv a lot because I've seen enough good improv shows in my life that I'm like, something about it's really magical. When it's
2: good, it's great. When it's bad, it's terrible.
0: And I think about my current life as a stand-up where I can financially sustain myself going to Alabama— an improv team could never survive off what I make even on a good weekend these days. And it's like, so what do you do with an art or with a show that maybe should only exist on a certain plane? Well, you need a society that values that and maybe funds it, even if it's not fully profitable. And when you live in a, Post-capitalist society, you're you're gonna lose all of that art. And of course is yeah. dead here. You know what else is dead? Mom and pop chops. It's all Bank of America and Chase Banks. So how could a UCB function
2: here? Yeah. And yeah, it's that's true. Yeah. It's, it's it's I think you know, I think too a lot too uh, of like, I'm like, there was a time where I think I felt pretty progressive as far as like being a troublemaker mm-hmm. in comedy. And I think like career suicide, which we talked about, I don't it felt pretty shocking to people when it came out six, seven years ago. But now I go a white guy talking about being depressed doesn't feel so progressive anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's because of progress, but it also feels like the space I used to occupy was rebellious. I don't know if a 43 year old white guy who's had a fair amount of success gets to, you outgrow that rebelliousness. And I think there's a certain grace and maturity in going, I shouldn't take up the oxygen in that room anymore. Yeah. Um, because there are people for whom that oxygen is pretty vital, you know. Like I'm joking about Sam having a better run but, uh, than I did at Edinburgh, but at the same time, I sit there, I go, "Yeah, someone like Sam should live in that rebellious space." Hearing him do a show about, "I had a lover who died, and I'm in a support group," and you and you know yeah. like, all that aspect of it, I go, "I used to occupy the space of like I'm fucking depressed, I'm medicated, I'm not going to apologize for it, I'm going to speak openly about it." It felt pretty shocking in its day. Doesn't feel so shocking today because that conversation's grown. There's other conversations from other people. They need to occupy the space I used to occupy. And if I tried to just desperately hang on to it, mm. it wouldn't work. It would feel desperate. And on top of it, it would take oxygen out of the room for people who really do need the space to say the shit that's rebellious. And I think I'm not rationalizing too hard to say that I'm smart enough to get out of the way. Like now, when I perform in the city, more often than I'm at, a, I'm at the cellar, which is not the rebellious space mm-hmm. in my. And, no, no, and not at I'm all. I'm very not grateful at all. to be passed there, but this is not like years ago when I was like, "Fine, fuck you. I'll take it to public access if no TV network wants to buy it. Fine, UCB's getting corporate. Fine, fuck it. I'll go branch out into Brooklyn. I'll head to the Lower East Side. The mm-hmm. Lower East Side's starting to get blown out. How deep into Brooklyn do we have to go?" I was, a big part of some things that felt underground. Mm. I don't know if I get to feel underground anymore. It's like a, or if anything, I'm, I'm learning how to be comfortable being the sort of cheesy elder statesman of the underground uh-huh. while knowing that, you know, there are people and we could name names. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I need to lay claim to the rebellious space anymore when there's people, you know, Give that to the Patty Harrisons of the world. Give that to well, that's why like, Jackie you, Novak in recent years. You know what I mean? Sure. Like these people who are taking up that action, it doesn't need me anymore. Doesn't or you, need you see, like I think older,
0: especially white guys' version of rebellion can transform oh, into something very dark, very dark, very, very and, dark, and, and, and very and, sad. But I think, like certainly, part of that is, you know, when I think of like like Chappelle and his like focus on this this about like talking about trans people. So much. I mean yeah. there's there's a degree where like the, amidst all these conversations, sometimes you're like, but you understand it's so much. It's so
1: it so it occupies much so the much thought. of your
0: and it, it's just like I think for him that must feel what's rebellious and i'm always i always get frustrated especially because like when rich people go like oh this is what the rebellion is this is mm-hmm. this is the fight that needs to be fought i'm like no the fight that needs to be fought is the money it's the oh, money yeah. it's yeah. all the money you fuckers have that's the real rebellion but if, they can't because they they're yeah. they want to keep their money. Yeah.
1: So,
2: so fuck off. It's really infuriating. Well,
1: we talked about it with Caleb here on, on recently about, like, we're talking about Rose. Another, another one, in, he, in, Caleb
2: had a, Caleb told me once he was in New York and I did Whiplash, which was the hot show at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. I read this actually in an interview. I, I had never spoken to Caleb one-on-one that I knew. And then I read in an interview, he was like, yeah, there was one night where I, at Whiplash, I like went into the green room and found Chris Gethard and." like asked him for a bunch of advice and he sat and broke a bunch of stuff down to me and i was like i was that guy for a bunch yeah. for like a generation i yeah. was the guy that if you yeah. ran into if you were in new york for a week and you ran into me you'd be like tell me what i gotta be and i'm like that's cool and now Very caleb cool. needs to take up that you know what i mean yeah, yeah. now Caleb's the perfect example of someone where i'm like Oh, you have some shit to say, yeah. And you're but like, but so a, do you. I don't know. I, I don't. But you, you know need, what I mean. Of I, course. I have to be mindful of of where that happens and how that happens. And I'm also also the alt scene's fucking like young and glamorous and hot now, which is cool. But it's not my. This is me. You know yeah. what I mean. I'm, I'm not a club coming guy. You know, cool. like it's a different <laughs> thing, and it's fucking cool. I was never. It's. I've always. It's a little this, too cool.
0: But um, I think it's a little cooler than it is funny at times. At yes. times, sure. I've never been. I've never been. I'm not rejected from it, but I think there was a degree. I've always felt, and again, this could be my self paying thing. I always was like, as a theater kid, it always felt a space that if I were gay, I would have had a little bit more opportunity to be a part of it. Yeah. And or if I had or been you're super alti, for- where I'm, I'm not super Alty Like I, I was so mad one day. J, do you know Jay Jordan? Mm-hmm. Jay Jordan's a friend of mine and Vulture called him like, he can do alt and club. And I was like, fuck off. Jay is a club comic coming from a club comic. We are club comics. Jay is not, he's not an alt comedian by any means. He's black and bisexual, but he's not an alt comedian. He'll tell you this himself. But it was just like one of those things where I'm like, that's for, at least for this Vulture writer, these are interchangeable words.
2: Alt. See, where's that mental? I will say as I love someone- you, Jay. As someone who started at UCB, I had an almost obsessive desire to be able to be a club comedian, alt comedian in any type of alt room. Also to just say someone's an alt comedian, there's five or six different things that could mean. Yeah, at this point for in sure. I was someone that was like, I remember when I was coming up at of UCB and started doing solo performing, there were a handful of people where I was like, they're dropping by shows at UCB. Then they're going down to Rafifi. Then they're doing the Comedy Cellar. Then they're doing some weird NPR show. Then they're doing some... And I was like, that's what... I want to be someone who can walk into any room, Mm -hmm. figure out how to survive. And uh, I am pretty proud that I think I did that. Yeah. And it means nothing, ultimately, to anyone except me. But as an artist, the artist side of me is like, good. I never got too comfortable in one place to the point where I couldn't survive in other places. Um. Anyway, yeah, t- I tangential. mean, we'll see. I, 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 it could be more fractured Rex.
0: these days. I mean, like, it's there's certain it's realms, it's more
2: fractured than I've ever seen. It's it. and, and I think years in this definitely, years in a fucking more, city. It yeah, sucks. There's, yeah. a, it's there's bad also, for every. Let me say this too. I don't know. I'm just gonna say no. Go for trouble it. It. In no, the comments, no, it's this idea that we all need to talk shit about each other. When I started, it was. The clubs, you know, the alt scene had started with Luna Lounge, which was slightly before my time. There was UCB, there was Collective Unconscious, Surf Reality downtown, turned into Rafifi, which was really great. And around that time, people stopped giving a shit. And you would see... That the best alt people started bleeding into the clubs and that a lot of the club people who wanted a little more room to breathe or maybe tell longer stories or try stuff that was more socially, how's it going to go? They'd show up at the alt shows to workshop stuff. And there was this age where everybody had more stage time because of it, Mm -hmm. networked more because of it. And if we're just going to be cutthroat, ultimately, there was more opportunity to make money for all of us because of it. And I'll call this shit out. A couple years ago, I think it was Vulture, and they've been good to me over the years. Last few years, they've stopped covering me because I got mad at them because they booked me on their show at Union Hall. And then the same week slammed, gave a terrible review to my special and Rory Scova special. Anyway, I don't Which even know. One? Which one? I put out one that was like following me in nine different cities. I remember. Um, and they were like, this whole thing with like half documentary, half specials needs to stop. They're not funny. And it's like, and it was like me, Rory had just done one, a few other people. It's like, we're all bored during the pandemic and trying to be artists. We're all trying to find yeah. cool ways to yeah. present stuff during the pandemic. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Vulture put out this article that was like, there's this dividing line. You're a club comic or an alt comic. My opinion is that that was not true, but that article marked a point where everybody then started picking sides, and it became true. And you know as well as I do, there are certain clubs that really get off on shitting on the alt rooms. Yeah. There are certain alt rooms where the people go so alt that they get off on shitting on the clubs. I think probably... You know, it's a matter of personal taste of who you agree with more. But the sad thing to me is that there's like short term explosions of opportunity because of it or audience building because of it. But long term, it sucks for all of us. And we're all going to make more money or less money because we're making comedy fucking insular Mm -hmm. and more annoying to ticket buyers. Yeah, Ticket buyers are going to get so fucking tired of hearing us all bitch about the other side of a fight they don't give a shit about yeah Yeah. they don't care it's annoying whiny behavior for all of us outside of the bubble this idea that it's just going to be a fight between alt and club comics it's like who gives a shit about that fight we're all going to cost each other money in the long run Mm -hmm. yeah let's all get out of the way you build your act I'll build mine. If there's a way for us to help each other, we do it. If not, we can just coexist and go in different directions. Yeah. But this idea that it's like you can get this almost like sugar rush of empty calories by shitting on another corner of the comedy scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it, it's empty calories that burn out quick and leave a lot of fucking damage and everybody's been doing it the past few years. And okay. the way I see it is I just go less opportunity for everyone
1: it also it also leads to almost like a partisanization of like your if your club or you're alt you're like you're l- trying to be that thing so you don't want to there's less diversity in terms of like the content because you're like i'm going further and further alt or further and further club to make sure i'm in my box of thing where you're watching lineups and you're like there's no sort of sometimes if, if those worlds could did when they did come together, you would were, were watch a lineup that would be wildly different. Like, oh, that's more of a club person. But it doesn't feel like yeah. you're feeling very hard worlds in both of those camps. And, and, and then you're trying like, to
2: fit the images of yes, those camps yes, instead yeah. of actually being creative. Yeah. 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 And it's like, how do I become accepted amongst the coolest clique in any given totally. corner of the scene where I go, to me, it should just be, where are the ticket buying public? What are they looking for and how do you assemble a group of people to go perform for them? How do we provide the most opportunity for all of us as artists? Not how do we become insular shit on each other fragment So we all have less collective power, less collective bargaining, less ability to, you know, come together as necessary as artists to change things or whatever, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing is like, it's a snake eating its own tail. And mm-hmm. to me, If you have a date night and you're like, I could either go see a movie or a comedian, it will hit a point where it's like, comedians are fucking annoying. Yeah. It's annoying shit talk on TikTok and Instagram. Uh Uh-huh. Who the fuck wants to spend my one night off? I'm going to get a babysitter so I can go see these people who fucking cause endless crybaby drama. In the short term, you can gather a big crowd. In the long term, it sucks for all of us. Yeah. I've been putting people's crosshairs too. I've been, sure, you know, sure. and I'm not trying to get into that, but I just sit here and I go, the thing that's most annoying to me about it is just like, I've spent 20 years building a little audience so I can go on the road, sell tickets, meet the people who support me. All I've ever done is tried to build my own thing. Keep it going. Work with people I like along the way. I get opportunities. I try to help the people who I think are good, who fit the mold of whatever I'm working on. That should, to me, I go, that, if, if we all start fucking shitting on each other for living in a different corner of the scene, mm-hmm. you're going to cost me money, you're going to cost you money, you're going to make this whole thing feel top-heavy, we are going to burst the bubble, less people are going to make a living from it, it needs to stop, it's annoying. My um, opinion.
0: Well, before we go into our our last that two was so, li- that was real little segments, soapbox nonsense.
2: No, 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 it's good. no. No, it's, no, it's soapbox nonsense right no. there.
0: <laughs> no, it's like you know, I I feel like I've been doing stand up maybe eight or nine years now, and and you know, it's it's amazing going like, wow, over eight years, I do see patterns, or I do see. I I, I certainly think I'm I'm seeing the rise of like the social media star, and I know at some point I'll be like, here's how the people fell, mm-hmm. and here's how the people figured out how to still ride it when people finally said no more crowd work clips when that day comes and it will come but like everything came Mm
2: -hmm. and just ride it out just ride it out keep riding and this and there's people who are so mad at the social media stars and of course anything that helps you skip the line and the gatekeepers is good and guess what comics of any experience can watch the social media stars and go this one's actually good totally doing tricks i can see the tricks i see the magic trick that's not real unfortunately the term funny is funny has been
0: so misused to like justify just making racist jokes but there is a degree of like well funny is people if people enjoy something they will come back to that well
2: here's the thing too it's like if you get mad at a social media like there are people who you watch on social media where you go oh this has tens of thousands of likes but people who aren't comedians don't realize they get to decide when the clip starts and we, all know of course. It, and we all know when you're watching it. There's some people you watch where you go, oh, they're doing the crowd work thing and they're masterful at it. Mm-hmm. There's other people where you go, I have a feeling they spent 30 minutes of their set trying to get a fight to happen and they're clicking play for the fight part. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I can tell that that's that type of Guess what? That person doesn't have a long shelf life anyway. It'll take, the system will correct itself. Whenever someone someone comments let them write it out. I could make their money
0: now. Sometimes people call like, he never misses. And I'm like, I promise I'm not posting the misses. I've had (laughs) a plenty of misses. I had a plenty. Yeah. There's no crowd work clips coming from that Alabama show. I'll yeah. say that right now. What do you do for work? I work in the oil fields. All right. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Someone Who calls from Some the else. theater. <laughs> um, before we go on to the, the last minute, I do want to ask because I'm I'm a very uh, autobiographical comedian, and so am I? And yeah, and especially now that you have a kid, I'm sure it changes. Yeah. Because you you've been it was just listening that pete holmes i mean you were talking about a breakup in a way where i was just like uh, damn yeah like have you any big regrets of like or especially being older being like i didn't have to talk about that fucking thing yeah um it's
2: a great question
0: it's i had an older comedian tell me once and we're we're very different comedians but i i, I joke a lot about my girlfriend And, and, and he was just like, I don't recommend it. And it sounded like he had a marriage that ended because of his jokes. (laughs) And I thought in my head, I said, I said, well, you know what? We're different. This is what I, this is what I do. Yeah. But do you have any, any regrets? Any like,
2: "Mm." yeah, I will say that, you know, there is this parasocial relationships phrase that gets tossed around now. And, uh, Started my public access show was that it was a small audience that really, really felt like they knew me, and to a degree, they did. I will say, career suicide helped a lot of people, so I don't regret it. Do I wish that I didn't to this day get very intense messages from people online telling me about their suicide attempts, too? Yeah, I I sometimes go, I put that thing out six or seven years ago. You know, I'll also say, too. It'd be
0: funny if you had an auto message that's just like, don't do Imagine. it. Imagine. All right, be busy. not Follow, don't here's my it.
1: Insta. Thanks, thanks for, for being yeah. Chris yeah.
2: Um, But I'll say this too. Like, um, you know, I've had, there are times where I will go to your Hoover, Alabama's of the world. Yeah. And someone will come up to me at the merch line or after the show and they'll say, you know, I watched Career Suicide and um, my son killed himself. I had someone tell me her brother killed himself. She was like, I never really knew what he was thinking, but your special gave me a little bit more of an idea of what he might have been thinking. So thank you for it. And it's beautiful to hear. I'm also going to go sit in a hotel room in Alabama and think about it, Mm -hmm, you know? And that's not always easy. I made that choice. I gave a piece of myself away in in doing that. Um, I'll also say that... um, Trying to... Like... Being someone who has been very open. And I think that was always real. Now that I am a, like, for example, when I used to do merch for my TV show, I was living in Greenpoint at the time in a basement apartment with another guy who was on my TV show. Mm -hmm. Our lives had no consequences to them. I wasn't married. I didn't have a kid. If you ordered a t-shirt from me at that time, it had my address as the return address. And Mm -hmm. I licked that envelope and I walked it to the post office. And that felt very fucking cool and punk rock to me, you know? It felt like I'm I'm in the lineage of all these bands. I do it myself. I cut out the middleman. This is great. But I will say, having made a lot of my work about mental illness, there are some mentally ill people who follow me. Mm -hmm. And now I have a kid. Mm -hmm. And there have been some situations that I will speak to delicately and just say there are times where I have revealed so much about myself and I've seen it go wrong with other people who are struggling. And God bless those people. I'm not judging them. But I will say that I have (laughs) my career has become harder because I was someone who was known for being an open book. But I have been in enough situations that scared me where I go they scared me and it was my choice. My mm-hmm. son is not making that choice. And my 4-year-old cannot get scared because someone feels like they know me. And I do regret that in that sense. If mm. that may, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Of course yeah. I think
0: it's also hard as a fan this is not not to to dehumanize it but there there was a show Gimlet Media, uh, the podcast company, they had a show called Startup and it was about him starting his company. Mm-hmm. And there was a significant change when it became a real business and and every episode was like, well, we can't go into that conversation anymore. Right. And as like a listener, it was like, well, what the fuck? I was in it to like know about the blood and the guts and the truth. And I, you, for me, that show stopped being a great show because he went, well, now there's contracts and lawyers. And in a similar sense, there's a child and there's, there's, there's people who I'm responsible for. Yeah. And it's, it's, but as like a fan, it was just like, well, you've, you took something magic away.
2: Yeah. I can, like when we were doing the public, here's a really good example. When we were doing the old public access show, the audience was never huge, but it was intense. And that's how we survived. And it was beautiful. I look back, I'm like, that was the most fun stretch of my life. But I'll also tell you my friend JD Amato, who ran the show, he was the guy behind the scenes running everything, he used to keep a list of names of people who were very intense about the show, where if anything ever happened to me, he would go to the police with those names. And this was half joking, half not. Like He told me that, and we were like, ah. And then he was like, and let's go over the list of names to make sure you feel like all the names are on there and that none of these people are being misconstrued. Like, it was real. But you know what I mean? I was also 31 years old. I was chronically depressed my whole life. Didn't really have any consequences. I was single. I didn't care. Yeah. Somebody wants to come and be a fucking weirdo to me? Yeah, let's do it. But probably put it on public access TV if I can. Yeah. You know what I mean? At a certain point, especially when I had a kid, I go, I gave a lot of myself away. And this idea of I have fans who might kill me and my friend keeps a list of names to go to the cops if anybody ever stabs me to death is no longer funny. Yeah. Because I had yeah. a situation. Yeah. I did have a specific situation where I realized, like, okay, like, yeah. If somebody, if I ever look out the window and see somebody getting out of an Uber in front of my house, I might need to fucking kill this person before they get to my son. Like I have thoughts like that now, you know, and this is not, I want to say too. Now I'm in trouble because there are gonna, there might be people out there going, "He's talking about me." I'm not. I'm not. I'm this theoretical. If
0: someone thinks they're talking,
2: (laughs) you know, you're at home
0: listening, and you're like, "I'm here." Oh my god, is he talking talking about about me? me?
2: Right. Like (laughs) this is a theoretical thought that I've had of like if I let people in too far. Yeah. There are times where it's gotten scary, and now there's a little kid involved, and when a little kid is involved, I don't know how to explain it as a dad, except to say, like. I'll fucking kill somebody if my son feels threatened. And that's not me trying to sound tough. I'm not tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a human instinct of like, oh, like if if my kid's in danger, I'd rather I die or you die than my kid die. And
1: mm-hmm. that's how
2: I think now. And and I realize sometimes that I opened some doors that you can't totally close. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure.
0: And I just imagine as your kid gets older. It's just that degree of... I mean, I think about this show, and I talk pretty openly about a lot of things, and that's like I I could see an age where you'd be like, well, I don't know if I should share this story about my kid. You know, I think parents are all... We've talked about it before on social media. I think it seems... It looks goofy to me when parents post a picture of their kid with a big raccoon emoji over their face. But, like, I'm sure it's a struggle to figure out what to do with this.
2: I, I also think, too, about, like... Is this kid someday gonna go? Is he? Is my son someday gonna be on the playground and somebody's gonna have found career suicide, where I talk about how I once took a medication that made me cum water, and uh-huh. is somebody gonna turn around and go like, your dad's crazy and wants to kill himself and he comes water? And it's going to be used <laughs> as a way to mock my son. Like, I think about yeah. that, you know? Sure. Somebody going to find the old... I think all the time about, should I just pull all the episodes of the public access show down? Because I love them. I met my wife as part of the show. Yeah. It's part of our family story. And people still tweet at me, and especially during the pandemic. There were people who like, I just found it and watched it all during the pandemic. I go, okay, I guess I'll leave it up. At the same time, I'm like, someday is my kid's friend going to Google my name and find the episode where I had a... Dominatrix dripping wax on me on public access TV, or someone eating a belly burrito off my as I wore a loincloth on public access TV. Like, it's embarrassing for sure. a kid.
0: Even if my dad had a show, though, I'd probably watch like half an episode and be like, okay.
2: <laughs> it's not even, I assume he will do that, but it's more someone turning about around other people and going using
1: like, it against him.
2: Hey, everybody, look at this clip of his dad. Look at this yeah. clip of his dad being a fucking idiot. They get a water gun, like, that's your dad's cum. Yeah, yeah, for real. I think about it all the time. Yeah. I think about it all the time. There's a part of me that's like maybe you should just pull it all down and just go fucking find a job, you know? I think about it all the so time. my impulse? I'm like, no, don't.
0: But I don't have a kid. You don't have a kid. Uh let's go on to our next segment. This, this has gotta stop. This has gotta stop. Do you have a this has gotta to stop to share for us other than I thought of one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, tell us. How
2: are you guys feeling about true crime? How do you feel about I true crime? I feel like crime? we've How hit we a
1: point of have we
2: talked about this on the show yet? No. no.
1: But we've 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 we have hit a, a, <laughs> I such love that you both had a saturation where it's so like there was a time where it felt it felt like oh this is interesting
2: serial oh, making a murder
1: oh yeah oh. and now now they will make anything and the stories aren't even done yet. It's like this thing happened. This horrible, horrible thing. They're like, learn about this horrible, horrible thing. And you watched six episodes on it. And then they're like, we don't have the answer about it. And you're like, then why did you start
2: (laughs) telling me? And he's
1: still out
0: there. There's
2: also podcasts that are just straight up. We're going to go find a Wikipedia entry. Yes. And we're just going to read it. And that's the extent of our contribution. No research, no crafting. Of course. It's just, hey, you want to hear about the worst thing that ever happened to a woman? Yeah. We're just gonna read it to you from Wikipedia, and that's our episode. And it's just—I'll
0: go even further. I, I hate. I hate. Like, I, I totally agree with. And again, I don't like this media, so I'm biased. But like the American, uh, uh true crime American thing that did—they just—they just renewed the Jeffrey Dahmer show for seasons two and season three.
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: And they showed on Twitter. Uh, I talk about, like, exploiting life for art. It was like uh, the, the woman confronting Jeffrey Dahmer on the stand and then they compared it to the actor's rendition of it. And I'm like, that's that's crazy. Yeah. That's disgusting. And and people are disgusted about it on Twitter. Like, Twitter is constantly, like, bearing witness to how shaming doesn't change anything. Like, yeah, everyone was like, fuck Ryan Murphy. And then it gets renewed for two more seasons. So yeah. you go, there's no consequence. Yeah. And... I think it's horrifying. I I feel like there's a perspective with true crime, like I've heard Jenna Friedman talk about. It. I've heard I've heard some women talk about true crime in a way where they deal with fucking crazy people in the world and and fear of being murdered. And so in a way, there's there's a different relationship. To me, I go, this is horrifying. I don't need to know about this, and invasion of privacy and exploitation and.
2: I like True Crime. My favorite podcast to this day is Criminal. I've listened to every episode of Criminal. Phoebe Judge puts it out. But here's the thing about it. It's well-researched. It's thoughtfully prepared. It is packaged in a way that's respectful to victims who went through things. But now there's just a lot of it that's like, hey... Did you hear about this one where a woman got a fucking hockey stick stuck inside her and then they found her in the fucking ditch? Anyway, now you have heard about it. Buy a mattress, buy some socks. And it's like, what (laughs) the fuck is this? Like, there's no level of thought put into any of it except, like, let's just take a bunch of vomit that's been vomited up by the worst of society and fling the vomit across the room into your eyes And now an ad, it's, it, yeah, it's, the it's ads, too much. The
1: juxtaposition of the ads, it's very dark, yeah. very dark. I think there's a dark.
0: degree of overexposure so then it stops meaning anything. I think, but this is all of the internet. I, I think I had, I had a friend send me, you know, some meme, edgelordy-ish with the yeah. Twin Towers. The Twin Towers are used a lot. or There's that picture of that guy whispering to George Bush yeah. about 9-11 mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's like funny. It, it, as a dark comedian, it like tickles whatever thing inside of me. But I'm like, at a certain point, I'm now seeing buildings on fire where people were actively dying. And I've seen it so much that it's it's just like a picture to me. And it's the same with true crime. Like yeah. if you hear about a woman who got a hockey puck and died in the woods, you should feel like bothered and upset and it's hard. It's it's. I just feel like we're all becoming numb to real life things. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's the same thing with mass shootings, where there was a day where the mass shooting would be. That's all you talk about. And now it's like it trends on Twitter. And then truly the next day,
2: you want to hear this? I had this happen to me last week. This is not a joke. Last week, I was taping my special, so I was coming. I came into the city on New Jersey Transit five days in a row, and one of the days I got to my station. And there were all these buses. Heard this. Mm. And they said, the trains aren't running. And I went up to the woman at the booth and said, trains aren't running. And she goes, Yeah, there's an active shooter at the next station. So you got to get on the buses and they'll take you two stations down so you can get past that.
1: Skip the active shooter. We'll
2: just go skip around. And then I get on the bus and I was like, I want to make sure this is the bus heading towards whatever station. And they go, Yeah. And then this guy on the bus goes, yeah, they're going to drive us the same route anyway. The driver will just tell us when to duck. And everybody started laughing. And I was like, "There's an active shooter. We're already getting on a bus to just go around an active shooter. <laughs> and, and we're making jokes about it. It's
1: happening right, right now. now. There's you'll, not even time to remove right it. Be like-
0: you'll you'll know time. when it's bad when they get the MTA uh, voiceover guy in the booth to be like, there's an active shooting at the next station. Please respect the conductor. Yeah. I
2: came so close to that last week yeah there's an active shooter so you gotta take the bus down two stops and then you pick up the train there I'm <sighs> like you won't even send the bus all the way to the city like we're just going one, one extra away, stop we're you just know? skip that stop because there's an active shooter and we'll tell you when to duck everybody uh, <laughs> i'm like there's people fleeing terror right now yeah right now we're joking about it as it's happening none of us even know the facts yet and we're making jokes about it <sighs> it's so dark
0: well let's That's go to one. our final <laughs> segment. You
1: better count your blessing.
0: Uh, a very appropriately dark episode. Let's uh, let's say
1: something uh, were you thankful for something yeah. nice. I, I, we I two former um, podcast guests come to titanic this week which was so nice of them this isn't to make pressure on you um but um uh he's got a kid you you have the perfect excuse to never I see s- a show i have oh, not seen a friend oh my do god. a thing in years oh my god <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no um uh, uh uh joelle came literally the day after we talked to her uh, she, i came out and i was like she really uh, you know what sometimes someone's like i'm gonna come to your show tomorrow and you're like yeah. She said, "I'm gonna come." She was in the, the front she row. Night. She was in the front row. She's I was like, also the coolest." Yeah, person. yeah. So that was so nice. And then um, Dr. Shaps, the um, um, the dentist, brought his whole family. He brought his whole family last <laughs> night. Yeah. So, uh, so which sweet. was so sweet. It was very, very sweet and uh, very nice to shout out to them. That was that was. Uh, you gotta very, go get, very, get him
0: get your teeth fixed. Uh,
1: well, I don't. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was so funny.
0: We had we had the orthodontist. And we talked about the tefillin yeah. with the Jews, mm-hmm. and and then like a, there's a Jewish guy who wants to like do it to everybody, and went to his office and did it. Yeah, he keeps asking me to do it, and, and I don't. <laughs> I don't want to. I feel bad. He asked me. He asked me every day. Doctor Shaps? No, 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 not him. Oh. The, just just it's, it's just a group oh. of Jews, and oh, there's, oh, oh, there's, there's oh. nothing that makes them happier that if they've got someone to do the tefillin for a day. It's like that's an accomplishment and and i don't want them to get a picture of me with it and then they they catch the one moment i'm about to sneeze and i look like this like like yeah. i really care yeah that's not my brand um my well speaking of jewish i had a you know this is this is coming out uh on may 2nd but had a great passover meal with my my uncle my mom was not very jewish but my uncle is very jewish mm. And i got to go there i got to see my mom's original nose 20 times around the table and it was like I brought Tova, and Tova is in any Jewish part. She grew up Chabad, so she's doing the Hebrew and doing it well. So they're all struggling, and then they go to her, and she fucking nails it. Yeah. And so it felt, it felt cool. It felt nice. it Was a family thing. Did not find the Afikoman. Did not. It was a hundred bucks. If I had known it was a hundred instead of twenty, I would have really would have looked. I would have been pushing people. Yeah. But I had a great time. Mm. So so that's always nice. Tova. Um,
2: I do. I'll tell you, if you haven't been by lately, I've mentioned that I'm a New Jersey transit rider now. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, this one New Yorkers will get, other people need some explanation. Penn Station is half fixed now. It really yes. is. It's half fixed. It really yeah. is. And it's beautiful that it's, it's half fixed. It's Because it, it, we all know, well, as New Yorkers, you know, Grand Central, beautiful. Huge, Penn Station, has Could eat a meal off the floor. Penn Station, den of fucking horror. Denver yeah. Park, Port yeah. Authority even worse. Oh yeah, that's yeah. not even started. But Penn Station right now, as a New Jersey transit rider, there's a very funny thing where you can go in all the old entrances and stand in the old shitty area that you know and you're used to, and it's still terrifying, and there's still people in there who you are concerned for your safety about. Or you can go down to the nice new section, and somehow you can access the same tracks from this nice new section. <laughs> True, it has a bathroom that's functional. I wouldn't poop there, but I peed there. <laughs> the other bathroom area, I will not enter there. I would rather <laughs> shit my pants than step foot in that fucking. That's bathroom. such
1: a funny way of describing public bathrooms in uh, New York City. Come I, on, I wouldn't. I'd pee in it. I wouldn't poop that in it. That could be a whole you know? website. Yeah, pee, yeah. poop, or shit your pants nothing.
2: I'm not going in. You yeah, know? but yeah. I mean, it's there's something really beautiful about saying like, "That's what it used to be." So get your nostalgia fix. <laughs> Here's where it's going. It's going to be much nicer. It's up to you how much you want to experience of both. It's like the caterpillar is half (laughs) butterfly and we get to have this moment as New Yorkers to just experience both. And I love
0: it. But I bet if a caterpillar does go half butterfly, they end up dying because it's not good enough. I I imagine that new space... I, I feel how like many old, months? Old? How many
2: months away? <laughs> I think it maybe no. Now. I, I think it's, it's gonna be years. Can I tell you? I once had a friend who took a shit at Port Authority, and because growing up in Jersey, you would sneak in in high school. You take the bus. Okay. Yeah. And I had a friend who was um, <laughs> waiting for the last bus back to Jersey, and realized he had to poop and didn't have time to leave and make it. He would have missed the last bus. You can't miss the last bus. Uh huh. So he went and took a shit at Port Authority, and while he was in there, he heard someone else come in and start screaming. And when this was in the late '90s, but as he left, he saw that a man was removing his own teeth with pliers <gasps> in the Port Authority bathroom. So that's Port Authority. And yeah, he was just doing
0: that. That's how you, you that's had to pay for the tickets work. back then. Yeah. It was a very painful process. Yeah.
1: It it's hard to imagine a scenario where you need to remove your teeth Oof. with pliers Oof. in, like, in Port Authority. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I'm going to guess you know? it wasn't fully logical.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess
2: that person had some right. I, was, I, was justification. Think, I was trying you to think. of like, what scenario? I was trying scenario? to think of like what
1: happened like where he'd need to give his teeth away, like, you know. And he'd be like, well, but, you, wait, in the was scenario there, when the government is well, listening no, to your but thoughts like sometimes through your cavities. if you have gold teeth, you could pull the gold out to, I don't know, use it. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I guess we don't need to. Uh,
0: well, this episode is coming out, as I said may second anything you want to plug
2: oh this is great I'm, I'm hosting a festival may 4th 5th 6th and 7th uh the first nights of screening at nighthawk cinema and then i'm having a whole podcast my my podcast beautiful anonymous we're having a big fan convention we're gonna have live tapings we're gonna have live music the comedy bills are just all people who aren't assholes i mean the aforementioned joyelle joe firestone Roy Wood jr adam pally so many great people. Brittany Carney, like, mm. some people, Wyatt Snack, some people who, like, I came up with, some people who I really admire who came up after me. I'm to preface it, though, that there's down. no
0: assholes when I'm not on the lineup feels N- let like me a just pretty say, indirect no, comment on no my assholes. character. No assholes. <laughs> no assholes.
2: Nobody's gonna throw a beer at you at this shit. I kid, no. uh, how many times have you gotten that? How many times no, no, have you gotten that? No, that,
0: no, that? that's, <laughs> that's a good
2: callback. Yeah. Mario <laughs> you come to this show, there's not gonna be any of that nonsense. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, just a, a, a lot of great people. So I hope people come on out.
0: That's fantastic, Russell. What would you like to
1: plug? Uh, Titanic off Broadway, uh, Del Roth Theater. Oh, Sorry, God, I'm gonna I'm, I'm, come. Jesus come Christ. see Titanic. Come see it. Come see it. Come see it.
0: What about your barber? You want to give him a plug? Your barber shop?
1: Um, yeah, give. Go to Ray's Barber in Inwood. Uh, uh, he for this is, you this come is... all the way from Inwood to do this podcast. Let me let me tell you, Chris. Oh my goodness. <laughs>
0: I to- oh, I've told goodness. you to move. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I, uh, 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 for me, this Sunday, May 7th, I will be at Laugh Boston. It's uh, going to be a really good one. And uh, uh, Oh, I want to give a shout out.
1: What a boring name, that that club, <laughs> Laugh Boston. Uh, <laughs> I think it's club it's names. It's hard. I mean, no, I know it's hard, but just like laugh. like. <laughs> oh, you know what I got today that I have to point out? So
0: we're going to have a taxidermist on the show. And I'm going to take a class where you – we're going to make taxidermy mice. Well, I'm going to get it. Okay. And so I'm going to make – I got a little microphone. I'm going to make a taxidermy stand-up comedy club (laughs) with the dead mouse – and I need to come up with a name for the comedy club okay. that, that plays off I'll cheese come up with or something. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so if Laugh Boston is too hacky for you, yeah, yeah. let's see what Russell comes up with. <laughs> okay. um, and another big one I want to shout out. It's a, it's a ways a ways, but September 25th, I will be headlining the big room uh uh Hollywood improv and Steph oh, Tolev nice. who was just on our Patreon episode patreon.com slash downside will be opening it then Caleb Huron yeah. will be in the middle and I will be closing. Ooh, and it's one of those and
1: we have an Uncle Function show that week in LA we too. We have an Uncle
0: Function show. I was hoping so, you'd
1: start plugging that too. So yeah. So so be in LA that week. We're gonna we're gonna have great shows there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh uh frankly I'm scared. sometimes booking that's when you book sometimes you book a lineup where you're like
1: these are going to be tough to You got to Caleb follow. here, on you got yeah. stuff. They'll be great. It'll be great. No, they'll be great. Yeah, but That's you'll be great. Um, I'm just. Thank you. I think people okay. will come. People will come.
0: And uh, uh, again, join the Patreon, uh, support the show. If you want to listen to extra stuff, watch my clean uh, special. And uh, oh, just is that? I noticed there's a mole on your neck. You probably should. You should get that checked out. It, it could be skin cancer. This is the downside.
1: Who's that too? <laughs> Whoever was listening, each individual person. Oh,
0: God. Wait, Russell, put this next to your heart again. <laughs> let me hear that record.
2: You're listening to The Downside. The Downside. With John Marco Cerezi.